Hi y'all, John Alcorn, that one dude 2020, really the CEO and founder of the God Over Money Sports Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I don't know if I've seen someone with someone someone with the drive and passion. star in this industry he knows his stuff uh you know he's not afraid to go at people and how did you get blocked by lebron james on twitter talking about you know wanting to inspire and like i'm inspired right now i want to run through a brick wall for you right now i cutthroat it's very you know up and down roller coaster of emotion god put me in a position What is up, folks? Welcome to the third ever episode of the God of Money Sports Network. CEO, co-founder of that one, dude. 2020 here, but ladies and gentlemen, we uh, start kind of the show off. Let's get into our, what we call the prayer break. Lord, I know this is a crazy opportunity. I don't know where this is going to go. Let me follow you and only you in Jesus' name. Amen. But folks and folks and folks here, the Bible verse of the day for this episode is Psalms chapter 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteous. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to hear to me and hear prayer. The point is of that quick verse in Psalms chapter 4 verse 1 said, no matter what we see, hear or believe, uh, this world wants it to believe certain things and it's funny how the world wants it to believe and see certain things We get some of the things we see in this world isn't perceived is what is actually 
reality. No matter what you see, hear, or believe, God will answer your uh, God will answer your prayers. Preaching prosperity gospel, but it requires faith. It requires means building a relationship through the word, thanking God, playing worship music, and reading His word. All that does require faith and reading His word. But focus. Get into the NFL topics here. I know y'all see the topic here. You thinking that I'm maybe sounding crazier, maybe not, maybe crazier than Skate Bayless out here when I hear when I say, "Is Jerry Rice?" Overrated. Now, let me kind of make this clear before y'all get all up in your feelings and say, oh, my gosh, you said Jerry Rice is overrated. Oh, my gosh, you're not saying he's elite. Let me make this very clear. There's no doubt Jerry Rice is elite. There's no doubt he deserves what he is to this day and the respect he deserves and has earned. I'm not questioning that. I'm not trying to ignore that. But let me give my takes. Let me present what I have to say. But if y'all agree or disagree or any of that, that is okay. But before we get into that, here we do a uh, thing like we did on Wild Sports Talk tonight. Here we have a scholarship set up here to the Jamie Huntley Park Scholarship. You visit the link down below and also be on my personal Facebook page. We have my Six Sports Network page, the Coast to Coast Entertainment Network. And, of course, this network also here, folks. Again, this is Jamie Huntley Park Sponsorship here. But when we get that more of that information for you just real quick. Just a moment there. Again, this is the throughout the week of June 14th, MI6 Sports Network, Coast to Coast, we got up my sports network, will be advertising and promoting beers to assist in helping the Huntley Park Scholarship started by the San Diego Angels Girls Hockey Club in her memory. She will never be forgotten. The team will be selling Huntley, Huntley Park stickers along with a memorial decal. For more information on how to support the Huntley Park scholarship, please visit https.stinkylockers.com. Uh, and more information will be on that on that link. Decals for your car, stickers for your phone, your phone case. Great stuff to support this amazing scholarship. But without further ado, the first NFL topic here for tonight. I know people aren't going to like, aren't going to agree with what I have to say. But when I say, is Jerry Rice overrated? That doesn't mean he's not elite. He is elite. He is very talented. There's no doubt he deserves and has earned the respect he has on and off the field. But let me kind of just blow the curtain back here and kind of give my point. When I talk about him, let's, let's talk about, Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald, not necessarily completely in terms of numbers, but in terms of career situations, you can say, oh, my gosh, he's at 13 Pro Bowls, 10 All-Pros. He's only missed 36 games as a starter, John Jerry Rice. 20 seasons, three Super Bowls. That's all the doubt of making of a not overrated receiver. You could say only oh, Irons missed seven games per season in his 21 seasons. Future first battle Hall of Famer 11 years ago. We can get the list going on and on again and again and again. But, folks, here's where I want to make my point here about Jerry Rice being overrated. 
Jerry Rice had the luxury of playing with two of the five greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He had Steve Young, and then Joe Montana first. Then Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, played with Rich Gannon. So as you look at this early on, really already in Jerry, in Jerry Rice's entire career, let's neglect the touchdowns and yards just for a second, and we'll kind of bring that into the argument these next couple of moments. Jerry Rice has had the honor and pleasure and had the benefit of the doubt of playing with all Pro Bowl, all Pro, and a ton of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. That does not mean he isn't talented. That doesn't mean he's not elite. He's very elite. Nobody wants to doubt that. But folks, when we want to talk about honesty, sometimes talking about honesty, it makes people uncomfortable. But talking about things that are honest makes people uncomfortable, means that we can grow. That's what is part of becoming an adult, living out on your own. That's what it's about. That's why I want to help people grow in their knowledge. If you disagree, that's okay. Put it in the comment section here on the God Over Money Sports Network. We can disagree. But when a receiver has had the luxury of playing with two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, five Pro Bowl and multiple Pro Bowl, all pro quarterbacks, of course he's going to succeed. Now we can kind of talk about the numbers. You can say averaging nine touchdowns per season in his 21 years. Okay. But here's the thing. If we want to bring Larry Fitzgerald into the conversation, you want to talk about luxury. Let's compare Jerry Rice's career and Larry Fitzgerald's career. Obviously, the numbers are a little bit different because Jerry Rice played longer. So there's, we can give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. But comparing their two careers, not necessarily completely because of numbers, the yards, the touchdowns, all those great pro football focus. Numbers. If you flip the careers of Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald, can all of you honestly tell me that Jerry Rice would have the same type of career with the Cardinals as Larry Fitzgerald has done? I'm not saying Larry Fitzgerald is better. Obviously, you could say I'm speaking a little bit towards biased. Larry Fitzgerald, my favorite receiver of all time. There's no debate about that. I believe he retired from the NFL. So thank you, man, for all the awesome memories on and off the field. But if we're really comparing them, do you think, honestly, just be honest, folks, in the comments. Do you honestly think Jerry Rice would have the same impact on the field numbers-wise? Etc. with the Cardinals, like Larry Fitzgerald did. If you want to put luxury, let's break it down even more. You don't want to hear about honesty or different opinions. Folks, that's okay. Jerry Rice also played for the Raiders, also played for Seattle. Of course, his numbers are going to be even higher to a certain extent, even though he played a lot of years with the San Francisco 49ers. He played into his late 30s, early 40s. So if Larry Fitzgerald continued his career to play to the same age as Jerry Rice, they could have similar type receiving numbers. 
if you want to talk about also now talking about different sides now Fitzgerald's side, we talk about how Jerry Rice had the luxury of playing with all pro bowl, all all pro quarterbacks, and two of the quarterbacks he played with won the Super Bowl. Every single quarterback he played with, minimum, won the MVP, was in the MVP conversation. You want to talk about great quarterbacks with Jerry Rice? Let's flip it around. Look at Larry Fitzgerald's careers up into this point. Let's talk about some of the quarterbacks that Larry Fitzgerald has played with. And if you all can honestly tell me that if Jerry Rice played with half of these uh, half of these quarterbacks, he would have the same type of production on the field. Because, frankly, that's a bunch of hogwash. Frankly, that is not true in any way. My reaction for y'all to really think that is just but not good. It's just crazy. So list some of these quarterbacks Larry Fitzgerald has played with. Of course, we know the legend of Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer. But then this list gets even a little bit more dicey. Josh McCown. People kind of remember him. John Skelton. Dude, do you really know who John Skelton was? <clears throat> no. What about Kevin Cole? Decent backup with the Eagles. Been a very short time with Arizona. Matt Liner. Great in college. NFL bust. Josh Rosen. NFL bust. Continuing to come down. Let's see. Y'all kind of understanding the point I'm trying to make. If you put, let's say, Josh McCown. Let's let's flip the careers, flip the years they were born and their age and everything. If you were to put Jerry Rice in the situation with Josh McCown, John Skelton, Matt Leonard, Josh Rosen, Derek Anderson, Drew Stanton, Blaine Gabbert, Max Hall, Richard Bartel, John Navarre, Sean King, Brian St. Pierre. That's 16 to 17 different quarterbacks. In his NFL career. Now tell me, how many different quarterbacks did, he, did uh, Jerry Rice have with the San Francisco 49ers? Now, just because I'm making these points, just because I'm making these observations, doesn't mean I don't like Jerry Rice. There's no doubt he's elite. We've been through that conversation already 23 times in the show. But looking at some of the quarterbacks that Larry Fitzgerald had to play with, Oh boy, you're honestly going to tell me. Flip their age, everything, when they were born, everything. I think Jerry Rice would have the same on-production field as Larry Fitzgerald. Brian St. Pierre played, started maybe two games with the Arizona Colonels. Sean King, I don't remember him at all. I don't even know how many seasons he lasted. If he lasted a season or two even in the NFL. Even on the practice squad. Matt Leinert, he's known for in college with Reggie Bush. In college, not the NFL. Go Kevin Cole. People from back in the day. Eagles backup to Michael Vick. Michael Vick came back into the NFL. If you want to talk about quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks that Leifert Zero played with, minimum Pro Bowl. Let's look at some of these quarterbacks and how many of them really have made the Pro Bowl. Brian St. Pierre. No. Sean King. No. John Navarre. No. Richard Bartel. No. Max Hall. 
No. Blaine Gabbert? No. George Stan? No. Derek Anderson? No. Matt Leiner? No. Kevin Cole? No. John Skelton? No. Joshua Cow? No. This is just my point that I'm trying to reiterate to all football fans out there. Looking at the list, the amount of Pro Bowl quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, Larry Fitzgerald's had to play with. Kerr Warner, Carson Palmer, and Kyler Murray. That's just three quarterbacks out of the 16 to 17 different quarterbacks Larry Fitzgerald has played with. He's working with what he has. But going back to Jerry Rice and his numbers, or a quarterback he's played with, most of them all pro, pro bowl, MVPs, two of them won Super Bowls. You only have one quarterback on this list that Larry Fitzgerald has played with that won a Super Bowl. But it wasn't with the Cardinals. They lost against the Steelers that year. We know the deal. But the notion that they're... That Jerry Rice, and my, this is my opinion, maybe because you say I'm a, I'm a hater. He's elite. There's no doubt. He deserves all the respect. To say that he's the greatest receiver of all time, we can have that conversation. But let's make the viewpoint of, hey, Jerry Rice also had the luxury of playing with Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Not a single quarterback on this list. Appeared in a Super Bowl besides Kurt Warner. Listen, 3% of the time. Keep making these excuses. Keep making these notions. I think Lanford Sterling is the top receiver for all time. People can somehow disagree. People can say I have a good point. Some people can say I'm hating. Some people can say I'm crazy. That's okay. That's football. That's the sports world. I can handle that. But let's agree that we can, at least there is a notion that maybe to a certain extent, Larry Fitzgerald isn't as respected or isn't as talked about. Not necessarily in terms of his numbers. The numbers speak for themselves. It's how many different quarterbacks Larry Fitzgerald has uh, played with up until Kyla Murray, really Carson Palmer, current winner, three of them. It isn't talked about enough. If you really go deep dive into Lafrey Searle's stats, even with those years, with those quarterbacks, putting up those kind of numbers, Pro Bowl, All Pro quarterbacks, there's no doubt that you can say that to a certain to some viewpoint that Jerry Rice could be overrated. That just because that I say Jerry Rice could be overrated doesn't mean he isn't elite. Doesn't mean he did. He, we know all the great things he did off, off and on the field. So let's not get in all of our emotions and yada yada yada. Look at some of these numbers. Going back to the early 2000s, 2005, I believe his starting quarterback. And correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Josh McCown. Remember, right around this time on the Arizona Cardinals roster, the receiving court, Anquan. So it's not like it was just Fitzgerald. So even though Lake Fitzgerald also played with Anquan Bolden, his second year, 1,400 yards, 103 receptions. Even his first year, 
with Josh McCown. He still averaged 13 and a half yards per reception. That's pretty great, despite also being on the field and Quan Bolden, despite also having Josh McCown as your quarterback and eliminating the Minnesota Vikings at week 17 from the playoffs. <coughs> Sorry, Steven. Okay, let's go to 2006, 946 the next year. What do you see consistently? 1409, 1431, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. And up until necessarily having Kurt Warner from 2010 to about 2009 to 2012, maybe the 2012, 2013 offseason. That's some right around the time you also had guys who played with Matt Leinert. So Matt Leinert was drafted in 2006. Despite having Matt Leinert as one of the quarterbacks on that, on that roster, he still averaged almost 14 yards per reception. But we don't want to talk about that. We talk about how great Jerry Rice is. Yes, Jerry Rice is great. Jerry Rice is elite. But let's also talk a lot more about Lafer Fitzgerald and his illustrious NFL career. 298, 1431, 1,000, 1,000. You had multiple years, even you say after Kurt Warner and after Carson Palmer. But you put up numbers. Remember, folks, in 2018, for three games, yeah, Sam Bradford as his starting quarterback. Gus Rosen was also on that roster. Then they bitched Sam Bradford for Josh Rosen, who I believe had 11 touchdowns to 14 picks. Sorry, I think it's 11 touchdowns to 15 interceptions in his rookie year in the 2018 NFL season. So I truly hope that maybe y'all could, maybe not necessarily see the light, but understand what I'm trying to say, or understand maybe the point that I am trying to convey. That's all I want people to understand. That's all I want people to know. So whether you agree, whether you disagree, I'm more than happy to hear comments, questions, or concerns here onto the program tonight on the God Over Money Sports Network. All burps, farts, and words are allowed onto the show. This is my take. Is Jerry Rice overrated? If you talk about the careers of Jerry Rice and Lafers Joe, regardless of numbers, do you think, okay, let's even add numbers. You think Jerry Rice has the same production on the field as Fitzgerald did with those same type of quarterbacks. There's no way, no how that could even be a possibility. Folks, before we get into our next topic, once again here onto the show on the God of Money Sports Network, we also have throughout the week of June 14th, the Huntley Park Scholarship will be advertising on the MI6 Sports Network. On the Coast to Coast Entertainment Network. On the God Over Money Sports Network. If you have any questions, the link will be down below to donate. For more information on how to support the Henley Park Scholarship, please visit the link down below that was started by the amazing San Diego Angels Girls Hockey Club in her memory. Team will be selling a Huntley Park sticker along with the memorial, the memorial to Cal. You will be remembered, Callan, and the hockey community. 
you all know we are here for all of you but ladies and gentlemen to our second topic of the night on that would do 2020 right on the ms right on the god over money sports network what happened to vizia folks my first ever sports game to watch live on tv was the 2006 Rose Bowl. The 2006 Rose Bowl, arguably the best college football championship playoff game of all time. What a better way to start watching football for your future potential football career in the NFL than the 2006 Rose Bowl on a school night. Oh, what the memories. So much fun. But the topic here is what happened to Vince Young? Illustrious college career. All the hype. Third overall pick in the 2006 NFL draft by the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk about his quick college career. And then we will talk about what happened in the NFL. Was it partly his fault? You also, potentially, Jeff Fisher was an issue there. So you... Never know without a doubt, but folks, Tom Vince Young in college, that guy was oh, that guy was so much fun. Like, just obviously, I didn't see him early on in his college career, but watching the highlights of Vince Young, man, this guy was special. You could make arguments that you know, there's certain quarterbacks that are better right now because, again, college quarterbacks get better, they're more elite. But in my genuine opinion, Vince Young's the greatest college quarterback of all time. And at least you can also the argument that he was the most exciting college quarterback of all time to watch. 2003, Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. In his first year in college football with Mac Brown, you already saw the early potential success with Vince Young in college football. Go to the next season, I believe it's the 2004-2005 college campaign season. He made Michigan. You say next year, we're going to go to the national championship. We're going to win it all. And Mac Brown's like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Hold up, buddy. Take it one day at a time, one game at a time. It went to the Texas Longhorn Zoo that very next year. They go on a championship caliber run. Jamal Charles, man. Vince Young. All of those dogs on the Texas Longhorns side of the ball. Vince Young gives the Heisman Trophy runner-up. Of course, lost against Reggie Bush. There were also reports saying that Vince Young gave up the Heisman Trophy to Reggie Bush. I believe Reggie Bush, I think, confirmed that back in 2019 to 2020. So Vince Young could have won it. Vince Young, you can have whatever you want. I would have rather seen Vince Young. Hold that Heisman Trophy, then Reggie Bush. Because, again, it's USC. Oh, that's what a horrible Texas Longhorns fan. Vince Young gave up that Heisman Trophy to Reggie Bush. You know, the uh, Reggie Bush couldn't come back to USC for a certain amount of time. So that was a huge, huge bummer there. But Chris Wilson kind of does make a very good point here. Vince Young was, to me, a case of huge success in college football. He couldn't really handle it in the NFL. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about here this Next couple of minutes, and he basically kind of talked about that with Colin Coward on his show a while back. Lack of maturity, 
pride, ego. And obviously, you could put some of that blame on Vince Young, Christy. There's no doubt. But then you also have a coach in Jeff Fisher, who's not an offensive genius. Folks, I used, when I used to play video games, I was playing Madden 07, looking at the receiving core for the 2006 Tennessee Titans. That was dog who. That was one of the worst receiving cores I have seen in a long time. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason. They can say that's part of the blame. Now, obviously, you could look at, you really want to look at the numbers for Vince Young. We'll talk about that in his NFL numbers in just a moment. Definitely couldn't handle it in the NFL. It was a huge bummer, Chrissy, just because first ever football game to watch sports game was in 2006. Well, a little bit of bias, but don't sound as Higgins. Oh, Huggies. That's crazy. as a certain guy on a sports network. Then you go. The, Tennessee, the, the Texas Longhorns have their historic 2005 season. They go to the Rose Bowl. They play Matt Liner in the USC Trojans. Past two years, the USC Trojans have won back-to-back national championships. So the odds seem to be against Texas Longhorns are in favor of the USC Trojans, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll's head coach, the defense coordinator, and Hugh Jackson. This team looked like they were going to win their third national championship in a row. But uh-uh-uh, here come Matt Brown and the Texas Longhorns with Vince Young at quarterback. But uh you're not going to win the third national championship. It was a game to the wire. Not even, I believe, 10 seconds left in the game. Vince Young goes into the corner. And he's got it. That scene, that play, will be forever fermented in my mind. Forever. My first game-winning touchdown moment in football was my first ever football game. And that was the 2006 Rose Bowl. First ever football game. The first ever football game to watch was a game-winning touchdown in the national championship game for college football. How could I ever forget? I was really talking about these numbers. This is why we can talk about all oh, certain college quarterbacks that better than others. Talent are evolving. Maybe it's more pass-heavy now. But if you look at these numbers, it turns out a, the greatest college playoff game performance. I mean, look at this. Vince Young, 267 passing yards. 200 rushing yards. Not from Jamal Charles. Not from Jamal Charles and Vince Young altogether. That was Vince Young. Vince Young, 200 rushing yards. With 267 passing yards. That was my quarterback. 267 passing yards, 200 rushers. Folks, I don't think we understand how difficult that is. We understand it's difficult in the regular season for college football, but in the national championship against a football team that was the greatest in the country at the time with one of the top-rated head coaches. You won back-to-back national championships in 2004, then 2005, going to win it for the third time in a row. In 2006, Vince Young was like, no, uh, 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 267 passes, 200 rush yards. I mean, these stats still blow my mind. I still watch the game at least once a year or so. It just blows my mind. Love college football. Love my Texas Longhorns regardless of what happens. My first ever, first ever football game, first ever college game. But I don't think people understand 467 total yards of offense. Just from Fitzgerald. Almost 500 yards alone. 
200 rushing yards. The way he was in and out of the pocket elusiveness in that game, the way how he was like that in college football. And maybe it's just some more bias talking. But I truly believe there is no other college quarterback like him. Not just in the 2006 Rose Bowl. And not just in any. College football performance of all time. 2005 BCS National Championship. Third overall pick in 2006. 2006 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sounds it sounded great so far. Let's keep going. Two-time Pro Bowl. 2009 NFL Comeback Player of the Year. That all sounds great. You're like John. If I didn't know football, this guy could have been a standout quarterback in the NFL. He won a championship beat USC Pete Carroll Hugh Jackson. But unfortunately, folks, that's not what happened at all. You're gonna talk about what really happened. Who's to blame? We could have maybe conversations. Say it's attitude problems, not willing to be coachable. You got to say that Jeff Fisher is head coach, but ego, pride, not willing to be coachable, attitude problems. So many things that could have gone wrong, went wrong with Vince Jones. And the Tennessee Titans. Now you can say Jeff Fisher isn't a great coach, isn't coachable, but can make that conversation. But what could have been Vince Young with Chris Johnson, and maybe Kenny Britt could have been something in the NFL. But Chris Johnson, as a runner, is a dog, or was when he played in the NFL. And Vince Young, we already saw early on that despite what he did in college football, Vince Young was just a terrible passer. Now you can say similar. Oh, he didn't have the grace of receiving court. Okay, we could maybe make that bias sorry. He would overthrow guys. He was great as a runner, despite all the elusive plays. It's not like he run, he had that many rush yards total in his NFL career. So you kind of really look at Vince Young's rushing yards completely. They're not a lot. But despite his elusiveness, despite him being great in and out of the pocket, despite a couple of game-winning drives in the NFL, wasn't a great passer. Wasn't willing to be coachable. You say to a certain extent, had Jeff Fisher as head coach. Look at some of the teams that he played for in the NFL. Of course, played with Tennessee, third overall pick in 2006, from 2006 to 2010. Then had Jake Walker and uh, I can't remember another quarterback on that roster that took over for a short time. Played one year for the Philadelphia Eagles when they had that dream team. Sean Jackson. Michael Vick, Vince Young as the backup. I think a young Zach Ertz at the time. Selleck at tight end. Deshaun McCoy. Sounds like a great team. But if we really remember, I don't remember their record. Well, let's look at it. That team was supposed to be that dream team. They were going to make the playoffs. They were going to win that division. That just looked like a team that could have been something special. Sounds great. Sean Jackson, Michael Vick, Vince Young, all those guys on one roster. Andy Reid, head coach. Sounded great. Sounds great, right? They go 8-8. Eight eight. Jason Pierce, at offensive tackle. Sean McCoy, running back. They're supposed to be this dream team. You're going to go to the playoffs. 
causing people were hyping him up. Fortunately, didn't work out. They missed the playoffs. And the that next year or so does get fired and gets hired by the Kansas City Chiefs. You know the story from there. Spent a very short time with the Buffalo Bills. Again, a very short time with the Packers in 2013. In the 2014 offseason, back in March of 2014, the Cleveland Browns signed Vince Young to a one-year deal. Of course, it didn't work out, didn't make the final cut. So he was immediately cut in 2014. Played for a very short time in the Canadian Football League with the Saskatchewan. Again, I always pronounce these wrong, so just roast me if you want. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a, college, a Canadian Football League football team. Of course, he got injured. It was quickly released. We remember that story coming out. But it's a breaking out before we kind of in uh, today's very quick program. Once, what was once a young, illustrious college championship winning quarterback was soon quickly to be a bust in the NFL. Despite some of the great plays, despite some of the moments, Vince Young came short. We could have multiple reasons why. Everybody can have their own genuine opinion. And you know what? That is okay. With all the hype we had over the next couple of seasons, it is more of the same. In 2007, Vince Young had less than three touchdowns and four pick and four more picks. But yet they won games. So it's this is where some of the uh, numbers can be very deceiving. He's like, oh, we had uh, three three less touchdowns and four more picks in 2007 compared to his rookie year. But yet his first two years, they went 17 and 11. This is why I say numbers can be deceiving in the NFL, in pro football focus. Because you just look at the basics here. 17 and 11, his first two years, sounds like a real winner. Sounds like a great developing quarterback. Could be a great elite quarterback in the NFL. Well, that just wasn't the reality here, folks, at all. 17 11. So the past numbers are already weren't very good. They're dwindling down and down and down. The one game, 17 11, his first two years, uh, when last song. Played one game in 2008 and was replaced. We already know. There's two seasons in. We already knew two seasons in. It was the beginning of the end for Vince Young's career in the NFL. Just two seasons in. Just two years removed from winning the national championship. What is a lesson that we can learn from this? Again, he, I think he's a great dude. Love to have him on the show. Invites there. So but I don't know if you ever somehow see this video, favorite call to call back all the time. Man. It would be a truly honor to have you on the show. Chrissy, yes. He made it. I think we talked about that team. And I, but forgive me if I say this team wrong. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders had a tryout, got injured. It was released. Didn't make the final cut roster. Well, would it be kind of interesting to maybe see Vince Young in the Canadian football league? Maybe a resurgence or maybe played a couple of years and then Maybe caught up into the dust in pro football or in the Canadian football league. Maybe the indoor football league. But again, folks, happy Vince Young, who was once a national champion, could have won the Heisman, gave it to Reggie Bush, 2005 BCS national champion, BCS champion, 
Big 12 Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2003 to two seasons in the NFL. Just barely two seasons. Was already looking like a bust. So lesson learned here is that despite whatever success you could ever have in college when you're young, ego and pride have to be swallowed. Because if you don't swallow ego and pride, it really doesn't matter what you did in the past. What you did in the past is not going to help you in the future. If you're going to be in the NFL, you could have all these great numbers. But if there are habits in college you don't address, whether it's on or off the field, and they come into the NFL, that's not a recipe for success. Without a doubt, Chrissy, this is this still bothers me to this day. Talk about one heck of a fall. Couldn't agree more. From winning a national championship to not making the 53-man roster just a couple of three to four seasons in the NFL. Yeah, Chrissy is still both mine to this day. Maybe some biased talking because I'm a Vince Young fan. It's depressing in terms of football. It's unfortunate by the end of the day. I hope this is a lesson to people. Whatever career path you want to choose, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Your ego and pride need to be thrown away. It's not about you, and it never has and will be. So moving forward to this one last two topics of the NFL before we end today's quick program. Christy, you're not going to like this next topic. You're not going to like this next topic here. It's about a certain NFL team's quarterback of a certain fan that you could be. Um, so just... I understand what you may say. So uh this uh I'm gonna come out and say it. Was Tony Romo overrated in the NFL? Now I know that oh I'm a cowboy. Yes, I am a cowboy hitter. Yes, you could give me that credit. I will gladly take that. But before we really get into the topic here, we're gonna kind of gonna talk about this little uh this uh scholarship we kind of have here. Again, it's the Huntley Park scholarship. That was started by the amazing San Diego Angels Girls Hockey Club in her memory. Team will be selling Huntley Park stickers along with a memorial decal. Stickers for your phone, stickers for your back of your car. It's going to be great. They are all the stickers that you buy and decals will be put towards the Huntley Park Scholarship. For more information on how to support the Huntley Park Scholarship, please visit the link down below. The link is also on my personal Facebook page. It's also on MI6. It's also on Coast to Coast. It's also on Callan's personal Facebook page. Isaiah Steven. It's also on the, excuse me, God Over Money Sports Network Facebook page. But this last major topic, finishing this program here. I know. I know. I know, Christy. Was Tony Romo overrated in the NFL? I didn't create this topic to get people riled up, get them like, oh, John, you're just like Stephen A. Smith. But what I do want to talk about, and I let Christy say, me personally, no. No, I do not believe he was overrated. I think he was more underrated, underappreciated. We could make a point, and like I said, you, you have your take, I have my take, but you have your points that you make, and I have more points that I make. So if you disagree, that's okay, but that's the beauty part about sources. We can agree or disagree and still have a great football, sports, 
conversation. Of course, you know, early on, on drafted in 2004, you know, to a certain extent, then Drew Bosa got pitched for Tony Romo. The really the huge knock, you can say to most of it really, was that he couldn't stay healthy in, in when they really needed him. That's the thing. You can say, oh, he's never won a regular season MVP. Again, those type of things, I don't really consider that big of a deal because regular season MVP, in my opinion, to right now really means and holds as much weight and holds as much value as a Pro Bowl. Okay, great. You won the MVP award. Great. It's about winning. Okay, great. We get win MVP. Let's move on. All right, fine. You can say never consistent in teams with a win and loss record. Again, that can go back to maybe him not being able to stay healthy. Is that that shoulder, that collarbone, for some reason, that part of that right there could not stay healthy. I'm not a medical field personnel, so I don't know why, but for some reason, that that health in that shoulder and that collarbone right there just, for some reason, could never fully heal. I don't know why, but whoever knows. But 78 and 49 as a starter. Now, when I say, is Tony Romer overrated? I'm not putting all the blame on him because I know regardless of a Cowboys hater like Stephen A. Smith or other sports fans out there, there also goes into other reasons and other situations and other applications to why I could think Tony Rome was overrated. It's not all on him. Part of it, yes, it is on him because he has to stay healthy. But there's also parts to this because this is a team game. This is not a Tony Rome game. This is a Cowboys game. This is a Broncos game. This is a Chargers game. This is an Alabama game in college football. It's a team game. I get him not because maybe he couldn't get it done in the playoffs and then get part of that. Yes, is on him. You can talk about that catch or no catch versus Green Bay in 2014. And obviously, I don't think that's a catch just because I just seeing Cowboys maybe not do so well in the playoffs is kind of a sick, sick joy of mine. Think about two and four in the playoffs, only played in six career games. Part of that you could blame. On the team or on the owner, but just some of it has to be put on Tony Romo. I just, for some reason, either when he couldn't stay healthy, or for some reason, in certain moments, his decision making could be wise and amazing one minute, and the next minute, it's like in the pocket. And for some reason, he just, his awareness sometimes is just out the window, just throws that kind of throws the ball down the field. Like, what kind of throw is that? That was an interception. So sometimes, well, he could make some amazing throws, sometimes he can make some throws like, Oh, Tony, what was that? It's a four-time Pro Bowl, or he missed three and a half gains per season from 2006 to 2015. So he missed almost a quarter gains per season for almost 10 years. So you could put some blame on there, but Christy does make her her uh, her opinion right here. I pin most of the blame on Jerry Jones. Yeah, some of that, like I said, Christy, it's not all on Tony Romo. Some of it is, but you can blame it on the organization also because this is also a team game. He was never able to get run with the players he needed to help him out. So all that pressure wasn't always on him. Like I said, pressure wasn't always on Romo. All the blame wasn't all on him. Some of the blame, most of the time, huge of the blame. Yes. But at the same time, we also know Jerry Joe's ego can be very, very destructive to the Dallas Cowboys because a lot of times the Cowboys have had a very good roster on paper. Looks like on paper, they're phenomenal. They sound great. So honestly, I like I know it's fun to dog on the Cowboys and make jokes of them. Some of it is on Tony Romo, yes. But what I will say though, folks, injuries—that's on him. Some of the throwings Thursday made on him, but 
Kersey kind of makes some of a good point there, though, is that Jerry Jones' ego can hurt the Dallas Cowboys. And Kersey Wilson makes a good point here. Yes, Roma did goof up on occasion. I would get mad at him sometimes. I, I agree he did. And some, maybe because I found it kind of funny or cool. Cruel. But I will say, though, one great game of his was that game in 2013 versus the Denver Broncos when we all together, all together, almost scored 100 points. That was such a fun game to watch. And Warner Grefford, what is up, man? You're the first time to tune into the show here on the God Over Money Sports Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a wonderful Monday night or early Tuesday morning. He says, Romo was underrated. The people in Dallas, by and large, did not realize what they had. And sometimes, Gordon, that's the unfortunate lesson that a lot of times that teens have to learn. And we also learn life. Sometimes we don't appreciate. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until we lose it. And this, this is why I love football. This is not just a lesson about football. This is a lesson in life or a lesson in relationships or a lesson in maybe video game industries or anything. We sometimes don't realize what we have until it's gone. And that is a hard lesson to learn, not just for the Dallas Cowboys, not just for any NFL franchise, but just in life. He makes kind of a good point that we talked about Moses on Jones, Jerry Jones, of course, his ego and pride. Two things that have to be gone if you want to have success continue long for success and management. I agree. There's, they should have had a new GM a long time ago. Now, again, I'm not saying that none of it is on Bromo. Some of it is, yes. But Stephen, y'all should have had a new GM years ago. That's absolutely binoculars. Says, Thank you. Welcome, my man. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, somebody can say, oh, never won the NFC. Now, and is there all these criticisms? I'm like, oh, I'm a Tony Romer hater. I'm not necessarily what you call a Tony Romer hater. I just like to see more production on the field. I just like to see guys get it done. If you don't, I'm going to criticize you as a player. But the, pro- the problem is I think a lot of people think is that just because I'm critical of a player doesn't mean I'm critical of them as a person. I think he's a phenomenal dude. Of course, grab a beer sometime. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. But I'll talk about you on the field and your production. Regardless, some of it, yes, is your fault. Some of it, yes, you can have an argument that was on the organization, on Jerry Jones' ego. Should have had a new GM a long time ago. Your son, Stephen Jones, shouldn't be a GM. Not in Madden, not in 2K, and especially not for a franchise like the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I've been critical of Robo up until this point. Well, I'll give some points where maybe I'm not so critical or maybe I can be a little bit more nice. 24 comeback playoff. Sorry, 24 comeback games in his career. 29 game-winning drives. He won almost 63% of his career games. So there's no doubt. There's a lot of some bad that was on him, but also on the organization. And there's also some good. So that's the thing is we never – maybe we could have solved the full potential of Tony Romo if Jerry Jones and his ego and pride didn't get in the way. Couldn't have they got better players? Where were they had for a time on defense? You had DeMarcus Ware. You had Marion Barber, who was a pre-Derrick Henry without the numbers. Derrick Henry is what Marion Barber was, but with the numbers, and it's better. Yes, Marion Barber didn't put up necessarily the numbers, but he was physical. He was hard to tackle. You had Des Bryant back in the day, back in 2014, with him and Demarius Thomas. Those guys were dogs. I know Demarius Thomas was with the Broncos, but those were top receivers in the NFL. Jason Witten. We already know Tio had his greatest Three years receiving yards and receiving yards and touchdowns were with the Dallas Cowboys. 
So I'm not here to say, that, oh, yes, I am very critical of Roma because I want to see guys succeed. But also, I'm not going to hold anybody exempt. So if my progress, I'm get it done. I'm not going to be biased. I'm going to be a Higgins. I'm not going to be an Isaiah. I'm going to hold them accountable because I take football very seriously. It is, in my opinion, the best sport on the planet. So people can say this, hater or not, he was good, but was never great. You say, yeah, he was good because I was on him. You say, oh, maybe he wasn't never great because something like you said, on the organization, on ego, not getting the right players or even win. The Dallas Cowboys had the right players. They couldn't get it done. Could blame on the organization. Could blame it on Jerry Jones with running over 60% of his games. People could say, maybe what has nothing to show for it. Now, could that be a part of him? Yeah, could be also on the organization. Yes. Then we could say, oh, John, all those comeback winning games. Sounds great. But never appeared in a Super Bowl. Again, I'm not saying I'm a fan of Romo. Some of that blame is on him. Not all of the blame goes on Romo. That is not me saying that as a Tony Romo fan. Let me make that very, very, very abundantly clear in every way, shape, and form. I'm a Tony I'm not a Tony Romo fan. Make that very abundantly clear here, folks, before we kind of continue on to our last couple of topics here. If you do have, let's see, do have a prayer request, text 281-675-5081 or email the God Over Money Sports Network at gmail.com. All the prayer requests are private. Whoever sees that prayer request will be it's just between you and them. Nobody else is going to know about it. It's private. It's personal. We understand. So anybody that somehow tries to show anybody else the prayer request, they'll be gone. These prayer requests are taken seriously without a doubt. But this question is, maybe it's an easy answer, or maybe it's not. Who would you rather have in the regular season? Matthew Stafford or Tony Romo? Maybe that's like, maybe I'm too crazy, or, or maybe I need to go to bed for even attempting, for even wanting to ask that question. Who would you rather have in the regular season? Matthew Stafford or Tony Romo? Let me know what y'all think in the comment section below before we kind of end today's very quick program right here. But yeah, like I said, here on the God Our Money Sports Network and all over the single place right here without a doubt. The Hunley Park Scholarship was started by the San Diego Angels Girls Hockey. In her memory, the team will be selling Hunley Park stickers along with the Memorial to Cal. All stickers bought in future staff that help support. Uh, the stickers of the Cal will be put towards that scholarship. Link will be down below for more questions. And not just my personal Facebook page, MI6, Coast to Coast Entertainment Network. In the God Over Money Sports Network, the God Over Money Sports Network on my personal Facebook page, on Isaiah's, on Catlin's, on Steven's. So if you want to feel free to donate that any way, shape, or form. But Christy Wilson also says here on her question, give me just one second here. Again, uh, I know somebody's backstage, but stay there until after or until we go to today's final thoughts. Says, did you expect me to answer that? To be honest, Christy. No, I didn't. Because at, at least with you, you are a Cowboys fan that is 
rational. That can at least have we can have a conversation. Some Cowboys fan I have a oh no, Tony Romo was great. Tony Romo was elite. Oh my gosh, the Dallas Cowboys are making the Super Bowl every year. At least we can have a rational conversation and not being a crazy Cowboys fan, like maybe a Skate Bayless or somebody else, or being a biased, a, a crazy bipolar sports fan like Isaiah Leon with it. Again, you try to be rational. That's great, though. Again, there's nothing wrong with supporting your teams. I'm not saying don't support your teams, Dallas Cowboys, yada, yada, yada. All I'm saying is that being rational and being realistic, but also supporting your team is great. So hats off to you, Christy Wilson, on that. But our NFL news for the day will end today's one-hour program. We got some big news coming out of a special guest coming Friday. Breaking news coming out of the NFL. I don't understand. This story, I don't understand. Le'Veon Bell said he would rather retire than play for Andy Reid again. Now, I don't know, like, if there's something happening in the locker room. Like, I hope Le'Veon Bell wasn't expecting to get a majority of the snaps. I don't think he was because he Le'Veon Bell knew when he came to Kansas City, he knew it was a second chance, a second opportunity. He knew he wasn't going to get he wasn't going to get half of the rest. He knew he wasn't going to get like 60, 70% of the snaps, especially drafting quite hours later 2019 or 20 or yes, 2019 or 2020. I'm sorry. So they know the results. So I want to know folks, unless maybe I can go ask my great friend, Brian Friendly or somebody. What happened with Le'Veon Bell and Andy Reid? All those stories I've heard, excuse me, this offseason, I thought Burt's farts, Wurtz, Ripping, ripping a fart here on the show is allowed. But what happened? Release your boys are on or off the Something must have happened with Le'Veon Bell and Andy Reid. From my experience watching football and being on social media, I have never seen a player, especially maybe necessarily at the running back position, at the running back position, say that he would retire than play for a head coach again, especially Andy Reid. So I don't know what happened. What happened with Le'Veon Bell? Andy Reid, was it lack of snaps? He knew he wasn't going to get majority of the snaps. Was it locker room or off the field issues? Who knows? I don't understand. But maybe if somebody has a, a story or a rumor, I would love to hear your comments on that. What happened with Le'Veon Bell and Andy Reid? So Le'Veon Bell has a big ego problem. I can understand where you're coming from. I don't think Andy Reid tolerates players with a played eagles. Exactly. I'm not saying Le'Veon Bell has this, but this is why. If I'm ever a coordinator in the NFL, if you want to act like a child, if you want to act like a baby, you're not going to be on my team. You're not going to be here on the God of Money Sports Network. We are a family. But if you want to have an ego, if you if you don't want to have that at all with the team in the NFL, you're gone. And I, if that's the case, Christy, I applaud Andy Reid for that. And if that's the case, Christy, that Andy Reid doesn't tolerate players with inflated eagles, applaud him for that. But if that's the case, why would Le'Veon Bell think, again, I'm not saying this is true or not, but why would Le'Veon Bell think to post this on Twitter, I would rather retire than play for Andy Reid again? It sounds like a defensive mechanism. Again, I'm not saying this is the case. This is just my opinion. I'm not saying, in fact, I don't know Le'Veon Bell. I don't know Andy Reid. I don't have those connections in the NFL just yet. All I'm saying is that what sometimes went in life, when we're wrong, 
we get defensive, especially as kids, when we get called out by our parents, when we get proven wrong, we get defensive, we get mad, and we lash out. Say, oh, Bob, I hate you. I'm going to move out. Oh, I blah, 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 this. Maybe that's what Le'Veon Bell was doing on social media. He said he apologized for it, but he doesn't regret saying it. So I don't, you may have a good point that Christy, they, Le'Veon Bell got defensive, just like as kids, when we would get cold out for something, we would get defensive, and you blame somebody else and say, I'm done with you. We'd move on. I'm done. Maybe that's the situation where happened with Le'Veon Bell, why he lashed on Twitter. Don't know. Don't know and don't know. But the last topic here, somebody's ex-favorite quarterback, Nick Mullen, signs with the Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Isaiah, for some reason, was so bummed out about it. And I don't understand why. But I'll bring that guy in on final thoughts here in just a minute. This wasn't a surprise that he's not going to be with the Niners. I was surprised he got signed to a roster because, I mean, yeah, but if he was going to be – I could see him as like a backup or a third starter at best. He's, there's no way he's a starter in the NFL. But what took the Eagles or a franchise so long to bring him onto a roster? I think it's a great, decent signing. You know, some people can read too much into this and be like, oh, the Eagles – Potentially may have some doubts about Jalen Hurts and, oh, my gosh, who knows what's going to happen. The offensive line is getting older. Who knows? Jalen Hurts is our future starter. Isn't guaranteed. Oh, blah, yada, yada, yada. We can all make those assumptions. That's the sports world. That's sports reality. We're going to have that. But all I want to see. I would love to see the day that when the Eagles give up on Jalen Hurts. Now, is Nick Mullins an upgrade over Hurts? No, they're both terrible quarterbacks, in my opinion. They're both terrible, terrible quarterbacks. But I think it's definitely a great, decent signing if somehow Jalen Hurts goes down or Jalen Hurts doesn't play as well. You could definitely have Nick Mullins come in. Now you have your uh, uh, first-round pick receiver. Running game is going to be a little bit iffy. The offensive line is getting older. And, yes, they're trying to contend right now. But with a second-year quarterback, it's really going to be hard to contend for the playoffs. Man, young quarterback. Offensive line is getting older. Offensive line offensive line's getting older. means the offensive line production is getting older. So who knows how that's going to work next year. Again, Nick Mullen signs a one-year Deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, ladies and gentlemen. Christy Wilson says, poor, poor, poor Isaiah. Isaiah is more poor. That's right, because he's still a Nick Mullins fan, even though he gave up on him in December on the night shift. I believe we still have that episode or part of that clip here, which we will show in just a moment. Is that he said he spent about 80 bucks on that jersey and now it's worthless. Isaiah Leon, you were so sure that Nick Mullins was going to be signed on to the Denver Broncos roster. For some reason, you haven't learned that a lot of your sports sticks come back to bite you. 
Because you always say, I personally guarantee. That's the thing about sports. That's the thing about the NFL. You can't personally guarantee anything. So Isaiah, I hope you know that my man, but I believe we do have that clip here talking about giving up or giving up potentially on Nick Mullins or saying what they should do at the quarterback position. Let's get that clip. And then after that clip, we are going to tonight's final thoughts. But I'm going to say it right now. Forget drafting a quarterback this year. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, I want you to yeah. listen to me right now. Stick, stick with Nick Mullins as the bridge quarterback, and let's tank next season so we can draft Keaton Slovis. Because Keaton Slovis, I keep saying this every time we talk about USC. This kid is going to be the number one pick in That's 2022. This kid is this kid is so good. He's got a great arm. He's got great footwork. He's got great pocket awareness. And most importantly, he is just so calm and collective no matter the situation. This kid, I believe right now, I'm going to go on the air and say this. It might be probably the worst thing I've ever said, but I don't care. I'm going to go on the air regardless and say this. This kid is going to be the best quarterback to come out of USC ever. He's going to be the best quarterback to Really, Isaiah, is that how you feel? Without further ado, let's go into tonight's final thoughts. I don't know what you're rejoicing about. You're a bandwagon fan. Well, first of all, John, um, let me let me say this. Uh, am I first of all? Am I coming in loud and clear? Yep. All right, cool, cool, cool. Because I'm in this hotel business center right now. But let me just say this. Like my name says, H-Town, rise up, baby. It's time to rise up. But So you're basically giving up on the Oakland A's live on air, even though you work for them. And this is live. So not necessarily a good idea, buddy. Well, I haven't given up on them. I work for them, but I had to oh, get this. That, that's not what the chat says. Ooh. I had to get this in Houston because all the clothes that I brought, I literally would have gotten my butt kicked on the street if I walked out in them. So I was like, yep, I'm not wearing any of that. Got to wear this for the rest of my trip. Christy, it's because he went to Houston the other day and it was about to buy the Sean Watson jersey for about 50 bucks. He's also about to buy some other Houston stuff. So, we well, guess wherever city he goes in, typical bandwagon fan that will never, ever, ever change. But I will come back to you after tonight's final thoughts here. But again, folks, it's been a great, quick, and easy show here for a little over an hour. They expected to be that long with barely seven topics on tonight's show, but been great. Looking forward to the next time, but uh, thank you all so much for the support. We will see y'all later. Have a good one.
actually know. Let's come back to this. Oh, before we actually end it, that's what Callum says, especially when he comes to San Diego and proclaims it is his city. Couldn't agree more. Cared you'd actually be here. Bat it off. Oh, God! Stokely down the sideline. Can they catch him? Stokely. Wow! Touchdown! Blackwell stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. To the end zone, touchdown, Jacoby Jones! God cares for you on a bigger level that more than we could comprehend. No matter where the old, the game is no Toss to White! No matter that game-winning touchdown, you don't get that job. They say no. I shall withdraw some of the world because the goal is to not be here on this earth forever. And what it looks like, give thanksgiving to God because through faith, all things are possible. God is doing it for our favor.